Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I get sick for half a day and there's Floyd Mayweather back on and we've got updates in the Epic case. What's up, guys? Welcome back to Watch Time, your weekly download on everything the internet, gaming, culture. I'm here today with a sick Elliot. Oh, I'm feeling great. <laughs> You're sounding under the weather, dude. You're not yeah, sounding good. Yeah, no, uh, winter, winter arrived in Sydney and we may have finally <laughs> vanquished the corona, but it seems like the common flu is still here and it is still batting down almost our entire office, actually. Literally half the office has been sick over the last week. I feel like it's just hitting everyone hard. It is very brave of you to sit next to me in a podcast room I know, for guys, half an hour. next week you're going to see me and I'm going to be like from my deathbed. So if um, I'm quiet and I... I talk less because obviously I normally talk a lot. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, you know the reason why. Oh, oh God, I'm dying. Well, honestly, I feel like you guys um, heard a lot of Elliot's voice last week. People were like joking on the Watch Time Twitter saying that the only thing I said was like, yes, and mm, last week because Elliot was doing his monologue of Activision Blizzard and everything that is wrong in the game development world at the moment. So if you're interested in that, it was actually really interesting, but I really, to be fair, didn't have a huge amount to contribute. So, And, and this week we're turning the tables as week, due to both topic selection and also the plague, I will be talking probably a lot less. You're stuck with me. We still have some really interesting things to talk about this week. We're going to be talking about Tana Mojo and am I saying her name right? Tana Mongwao, Meng Mongyu. <laughs> I don't think it's that one. I'm pretty sure it's Mojo. Tana Mojo and her new influencer agency. She's giving her hand to influencer management, which I always think is a really interesting topic. She's competing. Do we need to go to war? I'll sharpen my stick. <laughs> I think she's competing in the OnlyFans realm, which we'll oh. get into. But Logan Paul, who just announced his fight with Mayweather, which is kind of crazy. The YouTube bo- boxing saga continues. Oh, it got reannounced. I fully missed it. Yes, this morning, literally I, two hours ago. Guys, I'm telling you, I've said it before and I'll say it again. We are breaking news. Here. You know what I love? <laughs> I love that it was kind of like, uh, they, they were like, oh, I don't know if we want to do the fight. And then they saw the Logan Paul one go off. And apparently I heard Dana White, uh, say that the numbers they reported were probably dodgy and made up. If they weren't dodgy and made up, then you can imagine Logan Paul was like, we got to get this fight going. We got we to go right now. <laughs> Holy crap, boys, there's bags to be made. And I tell you what, if Jake Paul versus some random UFC dude pulled decent money, like Mayweather is going to pull. I mean, obviously, sorry, that's right. Not some random UFC dude, a very good UFC person, but not like a boxer of Mayweather's uh, reputation. Caliber. Caliber. I feel like that's going to pop off. Obviously, Mayweather costs a little bit more of the cashy cashy, but he also brings the brings the view views. Exactly. Um, we're also going to touch on an update on the Epic Apple fight, which is kicking off literally within a matter of weeks now, which we're going to be fascinated by. Have I missed everything, dude? 
You've missed it all. Yeah, apparently. Like, Don't worry. I, Thank God you've got me, honestly, in your life. I can't believe it. I like I, I I get sick for half a day and there's Floyd Mayweather back on and you've got updates in the Epic case. So let's jump into the first topic. We're going to talk Tana Mojo and her new influencer agency. She's calling it Tana's Angels Agency. Look, the name's not for me. TAA for short. But basically she's running it as like a Charlie's Angels. That just, yeah. that just hit me. My brain's yeah. working slow. Please continue. She's running it as a subsection of the management agency that she is signed under. So she's doing it with some people that are fairly experienced in the industry, but they're basically starting their own subdivision called Tanner's Angels Agency. That's actually quite difficult to say out loud now. I'm saying it a few times. Another reason their brand sucks. <laughs> and basically she's said that over her own experiences of making every mistake in the book. She says she's been taken advantage of more times than she can count. She's wanting to help pave the way for the next generation of creators. She's focused a lot on all of her public statements on the income that she's made from OnlyFans over the last year, which has apparently been wildly significant. So it is focused on OnlyFans because if so, that gives that I have some interesting questions. Okay. I think she hasn't specified that it's only focused on OnlyFans. What she has said is after receiving tens of thousands of messages daily from people asking me how I make money on OnlyFans and as an online creator, how to get started and for some bad mitch bad bitch mentorship and after a year of turning Tana Uncensored which is her OnlyFans page into a multi-million dollar business my team and I knew it was the time to partner with Unruly Agency and Tara Electra to start my very own agency Tana's Angels Agency. She's basically writing a Dr. Seuss novel in that post. It, <laughs> the number that was a lot of that was a lot of words. Multi-million. That was a that was one sentence. Yeah. Anyway, what are your questions? Because I have thoughts as well. Okay, so my question is, and this is proceeding on the assumption that it is focused on OnlyFans, even if it's like only like seventy percent OnlyFans, mm-hmm. and then a side business yeah. is getting people to do other stuff. I think about most of the work that an agent, and this is fully me just probably being uneducated. I, and I actually, I know that agencies are a thing in that space, mm-hmm. but I guess my question is, I think about the work that most agencies do in the YouTuber space, and it's mostly things like brand deals or um, helping partner with talent to create businesses that they can grow and have additional revenue sources, all that kind of stuff. With OnlyFans, I'm assuming like Nestle isn't lining up to have someone use their water mm. bottle for something other than drinking, or I don't know, like, but just basically that most big brands and actually all brands with the exception of um, of kind of adult brands fully would not sponsor adult content. They just don't no. because it's just not worth the drama. My thought process is that while there may be an element of that traditional agency management model, I think how she will position this and how creators will be thinking about whether or not they want to join this agency is the platform that it will provide for them. So I think similar to, say, a Jake Paul Team 10 model, it's not necessarily so much the opportunities or the management or the benefits that are going to come for the individual, but the the power of association and the power of being part of Tanner's agency or part of Jake Paul's Team 10 comes with a huge amount of audience and inbuilt promotion and marketing. And I think that's where the value lies. What I think is really interesting is this is another creator stepping into the influencer management world or stepping into a business world that crosses over their own own creative pursuits 
with also managing other people's creative pursuits. And I think this is a really interesting topic and I think it's something that we're going to continue to see. And I think I was even listening to Logan Paul's podcast the other day and his mate Mike was saying how they're starting a new creator house with banks at the moment. And I think this sort of world has obviously been done before where creators are trying their hand at either creating creator houses or management agencies, that sort of thing. I'm curious to hear your thoughts because you are actually in a similar position. You don't work in Click on the day-to-day, but you you own part of Click Management and you've started your own creator house and you've been able to have an insight into straddling what it is to be a creator and also own a business that works in the creator space. And I think that's, I I think it's an interesting space and I think people have done it well and not well. And I think these creators definitely will always have the best intentions and I think are generally the people that are super entrepreneurial and thinking about how they're able to turn what they've learned into benefits for other people and they're thinking about what their own business interests look like but sometimes it's not that simple either and you see creators like Jake Paul come under a huge amount of scrutiny when he did the Team 10 project for accusations around exploiting other creators or that sort of thing. It and everyone's happened. everyone's happy to be in a house that pushes their channel growth until they grow. And then they're like, wait a second. Yes, exactly. <laughs> as long exactly. as, as soon as the relationship changes from someone investing in them to them giving back, then that's, yeah. Yeah, but, and I think banks, I, I mean, I think Face Banks has also faced some criticism around yeah, that as well. And, so. and fully the Team 10 house. Like there were, yeah. there were those people because they actually had like contracts that were direct cuts from their YouTube revenue. Mm-hmm. They were very small when they went in, but as soon as they were making like, you know, six figures a month, why am I giving 50 grand to a guy who's putting me up in a house that costs him like two grand? Yeah. And even though they're not looking back at that maths, it's, yeah, it's dodgy. I well, don't... it feels dodgy to them. I would actually argue it's not necessarily, oh, it's no, not, not dodgy at all. At all. That's no, a business, not at that's all. investment. That's if, if someone's lost money to grow you, they recoup it if that investment pays off. It's the same with everything. Absolutely. Um, but I think the interesting thing is with Tana, I, I would doubt that it's going to be as like extensive as like a creator house. Or maybe if it is, it would be a couple of select creators. Mm-hmm. But the way I would more imagine it kind of playing out would be, and this is, oh my God, we're speculating so much right now, but I I would imagine it to be like a two-tiered model where they've got like their high-tier creators where it's kind of like, these are the big ones. These are the people that when they sign over 10, 20% of their OF revenue that they're going to make a ton of money. And then they're the people who would maybe do content directly with Tanner. And that would be Mm -hmm. the incentive for them to sign up. It's like, hey, you're pretty big. You're not as big as Tanner, but if you sign into this, you'll get to do like collaborative posts Mm -hmm. and promote Mm -hmm. each other and it'll boost your account. Then I think there would be a lower tier, which would just kind of be the more, not anyone can sign up, but very much more open. And I reckon with that, they would do a much more passive, like write a guide about how to succeed on OnlyFans and distribute that and give like basic coaching. I would expect them if they're defining it as an agency and not as a creator group, like the other ones, they're definitely trying to go broad. If they're going broad, Tana can't do stuff with everyone. Exposure for everyone, yeah. So yeah, I think that's probably the way it's going to shake out. Well, Tana, if you didn't know what your business model is, Maybe you do now. Ten percent. God, I'm getting ten percent on a lot of random things from this podcast. Every time I give someone a tip, ten percent. And I'm curious to see how it plays out and what the model look like looks like, how successful it is or unsuccessful. Always, always tip my hat to any creator that's giving things a go and trying their hand at something new and getting into the business world. I think it's super impressive and I think it's really, really important for creating longevity in someone's career. But I also feel like Tana has tried her hand at a few things 
which have often ended in tears. But I'm she hopeful. She knew Tanacon. Oh, yes, she was Tanacon. That was Tanacon. <sighs> which was fun. her convention. Um, Imploded would not be a sufficient adjective. No, it wouldn't. But anyway, I'm hopeful that she's got the right people around her and they're building the structure around her and she's able to yeah. more feed in as the figurehead and marketing arm and and all the things that she'll be best at rather yeah. than actually necessarily running an agency but I thought I thought that was really interesting no it is it is I, I never even knew that OF uh, agencies were a thing yeah a thousand cents when I start sense. mine I'll hit her up for the tips wow the world can't wait the world cannot wait <laughs> it's gonna be a beautiful time Logan and Mayweather we touched on it just before but what are your initial thoughts is this you, you were talking about this last week right saying that they'd drafted it and sort of shelved it for a period of time and now it's back it was very weird it got announced before the Jake Paul fight kind of sat there no one was really talking about it for a month or two mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden it was just like hey fight's been put on hold yeah. and the rumor was that it was because of a lack of interest that basically people had been like no nah, don't don't care enough but I wonder now if that was a deliberate decision because they announced their fight jake paul announced his if the jake paul one was kind of like okay this will get the conversation of youtube boxing coming up again yeah and then when we drop like a slam dunk like mayweather that's going to be it's people already talking about it and they're, they're like Yo, you remember appetite. you remember that youtube fight that happened like a month ago it could have been a strategic business decision i don't i don't know i i know that um well, I know as much as you can know that contracts were already signed. So yeah. it was we it would have been a weird reason to pull out. In hindsight now, I more think maybe it was a strategic decision. If Logan Paul beats Mayweather, we're screwed. E everything it's 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 all over. What do you mean? Just because then one of the Paul brothers will have beaten someone who is objectively a boxer. Granted, a retired boxer, but a retired all-time great boxer. And he's that's, an all-time great. He's and he's an all-time great. And he's not that old. Like he's no. not, it's not like the um, Mike Tyson fight where it's like a couple of retirees like mm. swinging at each other. Mayweather he's, hasn't fought professionally since 2017 when he de defeated Conor McGregor to earn his 50th career victory, which which really like if you're going to go out on a tone, you kind of got to go out. And like, imagine after 50 career victories, your career ends on a loss to Logan fucking Paul. It can't happen, right? It can't. I don't think it can happen. Logan's tall though. Logan's tall. Logan, Logan is 6'2". Logan is tall. And once again, like I fully believe that they're training their absolute pants off because people forget that Logan also did like wrestling, I think back in school and then he got into boxing. Conor McGregor went eight rounds with, um, with, uh, with him because he basically was a fighter. Like he knew how to fight and he only yeah. had, Conor McGregor, I think when he went into that fight, with Mayweather only had like five, six months boxing experience. Logan's been doing it for like years now and he's big. He's big. So like, big boy. like I, I'm so interested for the odds to come out. Still do think Mayweather's going to win, but holy crap. If, if it, either way, the result is stunning because this is the first time one of them's fought a real boxer. Once again, I'll be an ex-boxer. If Mayweather wins, Everyone's like, ha ha, Paul brothers. As soon as you fight anyone who knows even slightly what they're doing, even a retired guy like this, you get absolutely decked. Shut up. Don't come back. If they win, I feel like that undeniably has to give respect. I don't think you can like win a fight against Mayweather and not have people acknowledge you as, to a degree, a talented boxer. I just like... 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I just can't. He has an unblemished record. Yeah. He's 50 Like he can't lose to, to when he's 43 oh. to a guy in his mid-20s. Well, YouTuber. I mean, but in boxing. And like I hate to say that. And I, I hate to be the person being like, I'll oh, put him in the YouTuber box. But like it's Floyd Mayweather. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But but like uh, remembering at, in boxing, 43 is a disadvantage versus 20. It's not, it's not like, you know, a lot of skills where you just objectively get better with age. No. Like, you know, like with Mike Tyson, that fight was not great because they were in their 50s. I have to say I'm stunned that Mayweather would even take on this fight. Like, I'm stunned mm, that he's coming back to do this with him. Like, of all the people of all the times, like, I actually think it's amazing. And I think, wow, he must be getting paid so much money. He's getting, I believe, eight and a bit million dollars. Plus, uh, obviously, I think like they always do, a cut of the pay-per-view sales. So he'll yeah. probably make like 15, 20, I'm guessing. I, I, I have no clue what the cuts how are. Much or how much would much someone have to pay you to get beat up by Logan Paul? <sighs> I'd, do, I'd probably do it for a cheeky five. Triller, hit me up. Five million. Yeah. But I'd just let him, I'd let him like, I'd let him just like tap me and then I'd be like, oh, he got me. Like I fell over. Like, oh no, I lost the fight. Bro, you'd have to like at least give no, a No, I wouldn't fight bit. back. No, I said I'd fight Logan Paul and take a dive for five mil. I'm not going to get brain trauma for five mil. True, true, yeah, true. I'll take a dive for five. That's not worth it. On the weekend, I was watching some of the female UFC. They are ruthless. Dude, they're vicious. They are vicious. Like I was watching it and I was like, I actually think I couldn't do it. The true anger and like venom you would have to feel inside you to like full on go and like knee someone in the face. I don't know if I've ever felt emotion that strong. And what I find most amazing is that like after that, after this person has hammered you in the face for 20 minutes and probably like broken bones and genuinely injured you severely, probably caused brain trauma. A lot of the time they stand up, they're like, yeah, good one, mate, good one. Yeah, cheers. And they they, they shake hands. I'd be like, you son of a bitch, I'm going to fight with you. They get... I- I, I don't think I would. I would cry. I would go home and I would be like, I need someone to just cuddle me and tell me it's going to be okay. And that is why I take the dive for five. Hashtag it. Dive for five. <laughs> Muse Elk. Last topic we're going to go into is the upcoming Epic versus Apple battle. We have been talking about this since last year when it was announced that Epic was going to take Apple to court. But the day is nearing and we're almost there and a lot of information has come out uh, in the weeks leading up to trial. Isn't it crazy how long, like, big company legal proceedings take? You'd think that it would be like, hey, this guy did this. I think this is wrong. Yeah. And then you go into a courtroom. They're like, what happened? You say this. And the person's like, you know what? Yeah, that was bad. Or no, it wasn't. And then they make a decision. It's like over a year. I mean, it takes a long time for them to formulate their arguments though. And this is nuanced. So backtrack it for those of you that haven't necessarily been keeping up. Fortnite, um, the creators of Fortnite being Epic, has long taken exception to Apple and Google's what they call gatekeeping of their respective platforms. And they claim that the 30% cut 
that the App Store and Google Play take is too high. In Which, August, to be fair, they do put their money where their, where their mouth is on the Epic Games Store, where they charge, I believe, between 8 and 12%, depending hmm. if you use Unreal. In August 2020, Epic decided that enough was enough and allowed customers to buy in-game credits without using Apple or Google's payment system. However, offering this was a direct violation of Apple and Google's developer rules and Fortnite was subsequently removed from both the App Store and the Google Play Store and Epic fired up the lawyers. So the case is going to be heard in May, which is literally next week. And as a result, Epic and Apple have both filed their fact findings um, online. They're, They're very long, but to break it down for you, Apple is planning to argue that its 30% cut is pretty standard in electronic stores. Um, some companies publish their cut, like, uh, like, like themselves and like Valve, whereas other companies such as Sony actually don't offer any clarity on their charges. However, it's understood they're all roughly the same as Apple's. They're going to argue that they face competition from other phone manufacturers as well as games consoles and they're going to highlight the benefit that the end consumers get from having consistent development of iOS and the App Store and that businesses also have seen massive profits by even being able to have their games on the App Store um, and have app sales Full stop. And guys, we're only worth hundreds of billions of dollars. We definitely couldn't afford to keep the lights on if we cut our take a little bit. Epic, on the other hand, is going to argue that Apple has a monopoly in the iOS app distribution market, which of course they do, and that its profit margins are exceptionally high. It argues that there's no way to reach Apple's users without the App Store and that those users account for roughly half of the total smartphone market, which is huge. It claims that developing a web app isn't a suitable replacement for a downloadable app, um, citing cache size limitations and direct access to Apple hardware as reasons that this isn't a practical solution for game developers. They also suggest that Epic is going to say that the size of Apple's cut has caused price increases for apps, thus disadvantaging consumers. So they they basically summed this up and in October, um, in October... Epic made the statement that Apple has no rights to the fruits of Epic's labor, uh, which is kind of crazy. I do think it's a little ridiculous to say that Apple has no rights to the fruits of Epic's labor. I actually disagree. Imagine, imagine, okay, I go buy a computer. I go buy a desktop computer and I want to buy a game. And when I buy Mm -hmm. the game, I suddenly have NVIDIA. I have Intel. I have the person who sold me the motherboard. I have the company that sold me the case being like, oh, uh, we, we made that computer you bought. So anything you do on that computer, you have to pay us. I'm like, mm. what? no, I bought the hardware. I paid for the hardware. Like that's ridiculous. Yeah. I, I fully think that without question, Apple is within their right, charge whatever percentage they want on the app store. Not even a question for me. It's your business. Do what you want. Charge what you want. Like if I want to go and charge 10 grand for an Apple on the street, I can do that. No one's probably going to buy it. What I can't do is find every other person with an Apple store, like who's selling apples on the street and just go kick over their stall. Mm. You know, I realized Apple was a confusing metaphor there, given that we're talking about the company. (laughs) But but I I do think it's, I think it's a little contentious for Epic to say that Apple has no rights to the fruits of 
Epic's labour when in fact Epic is making use of the rights of Apple's labour. No, but they don't want to. They're saying they're saying you but are they more. They do want to because they want to access that audience, and that audience comes through Apple. That's like me saying that my audience comes through Nvidia because it gives me the computing power to play Fortnite. Like you can just go down that chain too many well, times. Once the someone buys then? hardware, YouTube obviously takes a cut of your revenue. Yeah. you create the videos, but you are using the platform. I choose to put it on their platform, and they're providing us. So I could if they're not saying the only place on the internet you can post videos is YouTube. Mm. I can go post on Vimeo. I don't because their product is better. If Apple wants to charge 30% for a store, they need to make an objectively better store that people objectively want to use more and objectively are willing to pay more for. Mm. But like you so my thing is Well, I guess Apple, this is the argument, isn't it? Apple can charge whatever they want, but other people Epic for example should be able to say, "Hey, if you want to house your apps on the uh, Epic Game Store, 100%." But no, I bought your hardware, you can't then just use that as an argument for why everything I do with that hardware, you now have claim over. Because mm. like, imagine imagine you buy a car and you go to the petrol station and you just bought a Kia and they're like, oh, sorry, we don't have a Kia fill up station here. You're actually not allowed to use the other ones. Mm. You've bought the product. You're allowed to maintain and use that product in the way that you want. Like, I think, I think- you can see, like, even by us having this discussion, the, the implications of this are major, like major, major for Apple and Google. And I think it's something that both of them recognise how important it is and how, you know, this is this is not just about Fortnite. This is about absolutely the future of the App Store, which is one of their biggest revenue drivers for the company, which is insane. And apparently Tim Cook, the, the CEO of Apple, um, and Tim Sweeney, the CEO of Epic, will both be appearing in person and testifying. Yeah, I, which because they actually care, obviously, about mm. the situation. But no, like I, for me, there's so many debates, so many arguments where I'm like, okay, I might see the strong points on this side, but I do lean this way. With the Apple versus Epic one, I genuinely cannot understand an argument that says Apple should be able to say we are the only people allowed to sell games on our store. What if Apple says, Apple says, okay, I'm Apple. I care very much about the product that I'm putting out there. And I care that once people have the product in their hands, that that experience from the moment you decide to purchase an Apple product to your entire lifetime using it needs to be at a certain standard. Don't care. I bought it. I'll do it along with it. Right. That's not true. That's actually not true with computer and software. People expect a standard and they expect, they expect a level of quality when they buy an Apple product. And you know Don't what interrupt it- me. <laughs> the App Store allows them to maintain that level of quality. By controlling the App Store, they are able to have quality control over anything that is on the App Store. All the apps that are on it, they review, they make sure they aren't buggy, they make sure they aren't going to cause issues with the rest of the phone. And therefore, it maintains that every experience you have on their product is a really, really positive one. And for that reason, that allows them to charge what they want to charge because that's what the end consumer wants. The consumer knows that when they download or when they have an Apple product, it's going to come with a certain level of user ease and and quality. Yeah, I, I get your point. But you know what happened when I got this laptop right here? This laptop started up for the first time. Open it up, boot it up. You know what popped up on the screen? What? Microsoft Edge is the recommended browser for the most optimal Windows experience. It gives you the best, but, and you know what I did? Uninstall that crap, download Google Chrome, and yes, eat my RAM, but that's a decision I'm making as a consumer. Right. I own the product. I am allowed to make, and at the end of the day, 
there are a bunch of also awful browsers I could download that would probably ruin the computer. I'm right. not going to do that because repu- it, we live in an age of the internet. It's not like people are just going to be uploading like virus software on there because once again, Epic wants people to use their store. They want their product to be regulated. It's in their interest mm-hmm. to regulate that as well. If you get a reputation as a store, downloads a bunch of viruses onto people's stuff, no one's going to use your product. Everyone goes back to Apple. That's the way capitalism works. Same Great. reason, well, not that many people go on Pirate Bay anymore or like all those other like dodgy, dodgy websites because they have a reputation that what you download is 50-50 as to what it's going to be. But that doesn't mean that my computer is hardware locked to tell me I can't do what I want to do with the product that I bought. And I agree, but I suppose that's what Apple is arguing, that it's like if you were a consumer that doesn't want to be hardware locked, you can go and buy another kind of another kind of phone. But our consumers have chosen that they want the Apple experience. The Apple experience comes with the iOS store. They have not chosen but that. But they have. They could have gone they and bought They don't know there's an alternative. Samsung. They might like some parts of the Apple product. But that doesn't mean that they've chosen that they want a lock store. A choice would be if they buy the phone, they have a choice of two stores and they choose the Apple store because Apple tells them that it's better and it's safer and it's more protected. But Apple's saying they've already made that choice by by making the purchase decision for an Apple phone in the first place. But you can apply that to so many things in society that would just be ridiculous and insane. Imagine any product you buy. I'm just playing devil's advocate. I know. I, I, but I think, it's, I think it's interesting to follow it through. I like, don't get me wrong, I like Epic. I like, I stan Epic, but I also just objectively think that this case is insane and that there is no reason. So what do you think the outcome will actually be though? Because while I appreciate and I do think it's like, I, I can see the flaws and I, I, you know, agree with Epic's reasoning in many, many ways. The implications from this are massive, like, like industry changing, massive. Mm. I genuinely don't know because I I think the legal teams for billion dollar companies are huge. I think that a lot of the time, maybe the lawyer or sorry, the judge overseeing the case, it all comes down to their understanding of the digital space, which granted a lot of very senior lawyers are older and don't have the most thorough understanding of what that space is. I do, on the other hand, think that especially across Europe, all across the world, there's been a wave of anti competitive like legislation recently sure. like where the european unions come through and said no you can't have these like crazy wacky different adapters every single time you release a product that only you sell people yeah. need the right to be able to fix it there's all the legislation like like right to repair like the fact that if something that you bought a piece of hardware breaks you shouldn't be told the only way you can go fix it is paying this person ten thousand dollars if someone else comes and says hey i can fix it and i can do it for half you should have that option mm. like basically i feel like companies more and more are realizing that the biggest way for them to make money, not to help the consumer, but make money mm. is to get them into an ecosystem, yes. lock up that ecosystem in every way they can from repair to sales to update, all of it. And then just keep the money cycle going. Mm. And Epic has created a fantastic product, but given how much phones are used today, if they're trying to claim that the only way you can use the phone that you bought is through their services, they're effectively trying to claim a monopoly on half of people's lives, Yeah, which is insane. It's so true. And I think it's it's especially relevant now when you have these big tech companies like Apple, Facebook, Amazon, that are controlling so many aspects of people's lives. They're more than just businesses. They're more than just profit generating companies like there has to, I think there has to be some sort of regulation because they're getting too big to compete with unless there's legislation 
that allows for it because otherwise they're just they can completely take over everything. Well, I am going to go back to uh, dying alone. We're Guys, gonna... that was a really good discussion. That actually was and a good I'm discussion. really curious to see what happens. The only thing that could get me to talk was a passionate debate about how much I think Apple is pulling some bullcrap right now. <laughs> All right, guys, thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Watch Time. Hopefully we'll see you next week and both of us will be in healthy forms. But thank you again for watching and we'll see you soon. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.